Algar Productions. Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 265, covering Unity and Darkling with Mark Bosco. Hi, friends. We're recording at the Pocket Theater. Not that it matters. We're not live in front of an audience. I mean, Bob's here. And we're, we're definitely recording this time, right? Yes, we're absolutely recording this time for sure. I sure am. This time for sure. Yep. Nothing what? up my sleeve. Presto! Can we just watch Rocky and Bullwinkle instead of Voyager? <laughs> sure. Yeah, we should totally do that. Bob Bob was saying he doesn't hate Voyager as much as we seem to, so... Yeah. I mean, some of it's pretty okay. Some of it's really awful, though. Last <laughs> week I was, uh, I was definitely in the doldrums. I don't remember what happened last week. It all kind of blends together. I, I don't remember, nor do I want to. <laughs> it was like, uh, what was it? The one where something stupid happened, and then the one where something stupid happened? Yeah, it was yep. a real mess. I don't... Which, which, seriously, which ones were they? Do you remember off the top of your head? No. Okay. I remember being angry, though. No. Well, I'm usually angry. <laughs> That's my secret. <laughs> Odd that. You're usually angry. Yes. I'm, I'm always angry. Mm-hmm. Your amount of anger combined with the amount of Voyager you have to watch now. Yep. It's, they're, they're directly proportionate, is the thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the funny thing is somebody donated to our uh, our fundraiser, which is still going on, by the way, if you want to throw a few bucks at us, it's at postandhomicorror.com. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and, and in the comments, uh, he said uh, something to the extent of you're not getting away from Neelix that easily or... Uh, you deserve a little something for enduring Neelix. I don't know. It was basically like, yeah, I, I know Neelix is tough, but here's some money, was the gist of it. <laughs> Get back to work, you whiners. Yeah, well, I mean, we got to look at Neelix every week. Yeah, no one should have to look at Neelix as much as we do. Even even Kess doesn't have to do that anymore. No. She's she escaped. Free. Yeah. Woo! So, free Kess. Hooray for her. Yeah, and Neelix. Is uh, yeah, I heard someone was giving away free Kess. <laughs> what'd you say, Bob? Neelix is hardly even in this first episode. That's true. There's not that opening thing that always happens where he like approaches someone and like, "Hey, can I do your job this week? Because I guess I can do anything." I noticed that I was very useful, and you had a lot of use. Maybe we could share your use. <laughs> I'm the Lizard King. I can do anything. <laughs> I made you a sandwich. <laughs> it's got a hair in it. See if you can find it. I buried it in these eggs. <laughs> that I laid myself. <laughs> and then scrambled for you. I put a lot of work into it. Uh, my whisk is also made of hair. <laughs> you don't want to know where I got the cheese from. I'll give you a hint. My back. Oh. Now, when we started this Neelix conversation a minute and a half ago, I was kind of sympathetic to Neelix, but now I'm grossed out. You Problem basically solved. described my experience with this series in miniature. <laughs> when we started watching Voyager three seasons ago, I was kind of sympathetic to Neelix. Three seasons and 8,000 years ago? Oh, God. Uh. Back in the in, Since before your sunburned hot in space. Uh. Anyway, the first episode, we all kind of agreed, isn't quite so bad actually correct yeah. i don't want to speak for any of you but that's that's my thoughts yeah no, it's good it's okay good. Th- tell us about it bob tell us about unity all right well chuck and ensign expendable go visit a planet to try to find some nuts and berries or something and instead they find a distress call when they land chuck finds a futuristic flaming garbage can which is the perfect metaphor for voyager <laughs> 
Of course, there are melody rebels to go along with that trash fire, and Ensign Expendable takes one for the team, while Chuck gets a nasty rash. When Chuck wakes up, he finds out the jerks that shot him with the rash ray aren't the same jerks that sent the distress call, and he's ended up with the latter. We know they mean well because they keep Chuck locked in a shipping container for his protection. But when Chuck finally busts out, we find that they were actually hiding from him because they were ashamed of their bald heads and Borg implants. Borg! <laughs> yes, the Borg is here, and they are us. Well, not literally us, but humans and Romulans and other guys we know from the Alpha Quadrant because the Delta Quadrant just doesn't have enough gullible hobos riding the space rails just waiting for a Borg to shiv them and steal their boxcar. Isn't that how hobos work? I don't know. Anyway, meanwhile, back in space! Captain Badass finds a Borg cube just floating around and she decides to send an away team to go plunder it, despite the haunted house of Borg corpses it must contain. Only, it turns out that even a dead Borg is not a good Borg. When the doctor starts poking around on one with some electricity, the seemingly dead Borg dude starts back to life, threatening them with his potato peelers. Fortunately, Bolana and her pals shut that shit down. Downstairs on the planet, Chuck is still out of range of Voyager comms, and his rash is getting worse. Like, way worse. So much worse that the ex-Borgs suggest the only way to heal him is to, to, is to connect him to the... Oh crap, I just lost my place. <laughs> Damn it. So much worse that the ex-Borgs suggest the only way to heal him is to connect him to a local Borg collective. Just a, just a little one. It's like the Wi-Fi in your house. Nothing to worry about. <laughs> So they do, and he gets better. Only now the ex-Borg want to get a bigger antenna for their Wi-Fi and put all of the ex-Borg on it so they can be friends again with the Melody Rebels, because what's a better way to make peace with your enemies than to control their minds? Really, I mean, I mean is there a better way? Because that seems like a pretty good way. <laughs> anyway, the finale involves moral ambiguity, a shitload of dead Borg coming back to life, and massive explosions! It's all pretty exciting, really, and I guess it's okay that those ex-Borg formed a new collective, because these are good Borg now, right? Right? Sure. Uh-huh. Nothing wrong with some good Borg. That seems completely trustworthy. <laughs> Wasn't that a uh, sitcom for children in the 90s, Good Borger? <laughs> Welcome to Good Borg, home of the Good Borg. Is the, is... I thought you were talking about the family drama Some Good Borg. <laughs> No, I think that was a tennis player <laughs> named Bjorn Goodborg. Bjorn Borg Borgson. Yes, Bork Borgson. Borgson. Stutter. So, yeah. No, this is like our first proper appearance of the Borg, and uh, pretty, yeah, pretty good. Got a, I thought we got a corpse last time, but now we got a real. We got a couple of real guys. Yeah, I looking like super HR Geigery because no, their, no, uh, no. Say it right. Super Hey Really Geigery. That's better. <laughs> Yeah, no, they they basically still have all the all the props and costumes and such and all the makeup designs and such for like makeup appendages from um uh first contact. So they have like movie budget stuff that they can keep using on the show, which is cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there was some really good uh I like the in the sets the all the, you know, little greebly stuff they have stuck on the walls everywhere. They they had a lot yep. of good <laughs> the board ships. The board ships look like one of those uh, family fun restaurants, yeah. like TGI Fridays. Only then they just paint it all gray. Yeah. <laughs> gray alligator head on the wall. Okay. <laughs> now I've seen everything. <laughs> they just assimilate. In addition to assimilating people from planets, they also just take their crap and yep. just put it up on the walls. <laughs> I actually really like the idea of a uh, of a gray painted alligator head wearing a cowboy hat, but it's still got the Borg eyepiece. <laughs> <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, of course, you gotta have the eyepiece. Maybe like a laser pointer. Great, now I have an email I can't read until I put my eyepiece back in. <laughs> Some kind of pizza cutter. Shaped like the Starship Enterprise, oddly enough. <laughs> yep. A, a, you know, a pinchy claw. Right. Yeah. Every, okay, like a crab claw. Everything mm-hmm. that, that uh, oh, what's the name of that, that store? That, oh, Spencer's Gift <laughs> that used to sell, right? Except yep. Oh, yeah. So a lot of lot of like vibrators that are clearly vibrators, but called back massagers. Mm-hmm. And one boy with a pornographic birthday card attached to his hand, <laughs> <laughs> and a Luke Perry pillow that one guy just can't seem to sell. <laughs> but uh, so a lot of the set stuff was good, but really, Bob, your bad thing is uh, is kind of the other side of that. Well, yeah, I mean, there there wasn't too much bad about this episode, so this is kind of petty, but for a big episode with a Borg cube and everything, the, the set for the interior of the cube felt like it was only 15 feet wide and they just kept going in circles, mm-hmm. which it, it probably was, but there was just, I don't know, there oh, was yeah, one then... cut where it like juxtaposed a part of the set against the same part of the set redressed slightly, and it just kind of <laughs> they broke They just put a mirror it. up and like, no, no, it's, it's, it goes on like this. Yeah. Uh-huh. No, they actually mentioned it. You, you said in Memory Alpha, there's a quote where they said, oh, yeah, we only actually do have about 15 feet. So you're like, <laughs> yeah, nailed it. <laughs> no, and, and that's too bad because the thing about Borg ships is they're huge and samey. Yeah. yeah. So, like, I get why they tried to do that. But what you really want is, like, a big open area with a bunch of just, you know, scaffolding and, yeah. you know, stuff on the walls. Yeah, that. I guess, you know, that uh, the... the uh, uh, oh. I'm sorry, my brain is not working yet this morning. The uh, the new holodeck program, where you know the uh, tropical paradise, oh, yeah. whatever thing that must be oh, the, taking the, up all the, the set fan space. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they didn't have room for anything. Else. Yes, the fan. <laughs> that fan. That's what that whole set is. The fan. That, that fucking fan. You're really obsessed with that, aren't you? <laughs> I hate it. I hate it forever. I don't. Have you ever said this on the show? Because if not, you probably should. Like, what about how much I hate? I'm sure I've said, talked about how much I hate that. Well, fan. let's just, just just in case, just to remind people. All right, there's a fucking fan on the uh, on the Hawaii uh, set that just sits there and rotates for no damn good reason. It's open air. There's no reason to have a fan there. Is it open air? There's it's lots, open there's air. White walls everywhere. Yeah, That's but there's no I roof. <laughs> oh, okay. The goddamn. Well, wait, if there's no roof, ass fan. If there's no roof, then there's no ceiling. So what is the fan attached to? I don't know. Other fans. It's just a big giant pole to the sky. Yeah. <laughs> It's a holodeck. So, you can do that. So it's a windmill, then? Yes! Well, a horrible windmill. That's what's powering, like, the bar. That's and, what's powering the fan. <laughs> and fucking Neelix keeps tilting at it. Bar it's a windmill to power itself. <laughs> it's a perpetual windmill machine. <laughs> okay, what do we got? I'm gonna say my bad thing, which is also has to do with set design, mm. which is when they beam down to the planet, and you already made reference to this, Bob, in your summary... It's just a field full of flaming trash cans. Oh yeah, it's, it's like they they took they took a bunch of flaming trash cans to make into one giant flaming trash. Yeah, can. Yeah, but then they strew strewn strode. Strew, what is the normal tense of the word strewn? <laughs> oh, I'm now I'm going to obsess strew. over that. Strew. Yeah, they strew. <laughs> that doesn't sound right at all. They stewed. They scattered a bunch of. Uh, <laughs> Flaming tra- smaller flaming trash cans around the main one. Uh-huh. I just like I've always hated this. It's it's like the stupidest, laziest prop in the Star Trek arsenal, and I've called it out before. But this is the most we've ever seen of it. It's just terrible. And well, the, the other thing is they don't seem to need it for like the rest of the time we're on the planet. You know, like there's yeah, no other flaming trash cans. Yeah, 
Well, that's the only time we were there at night, too. Oh, yeah. Well, I, but the main one wasn't even, like, one flaming trash can. It looked like it looked like those really narrow trash cans that you see, like, maybe at a bus stop. Mm-hmm. But then there were, like, eight of them in a circle, and the fire was in the center and not in any of the trash cans themselves. So it was, they even got that wrong. Well, those are... Yeah, it was like the rat king of flaming trash cans. <laughs> well, those are, like, um, uh, back in the day. But, uh, Matt, you may now be too young to remember this, but Bob and I will remember those used to be ashtrays. Those those skinny trash cans. Oh no, I know what you're talking about. They repurposed oh. them into trash cans in, mm. in more recent days because yeah. people aren't supposed to smoke anymore. So maybe no, I remember back s- when you could smoke yeah. at the mall. Right. So I think they have like smoking issues. Maybe like maybe that's a that's a cigarette fire. Just yeah. go to the mall and smoke. I forgot about smoking. You could sm- I'm a smug future man. Yeah. But like you could smoke on airplanes. <laughs> you could like seriously. I remember being in an airplane where just like all it had to be out of the hundred people was like three people lighting up and that's it. We were all smoking. Yep. <laughs> my dad took me to a uh, like a family restaurant one time, and there was just this room that you they'd open the door and just smoke would waft out. Well, that's how we're, we're from Maryland. That's how they solved the issue is like they didn't take away smoking sections; they just like walled them off. Mm-hmm. You have to go to this separately ventilated For the room love to smoke. Oh God, Montresor! <laughs> so it's like it's like an aquarium or like a terrarium of people smoking. It's <laughs> sealed off from everywhere else, and it's just this literally smoke-filled room. It's awesome. <laughs> There's a window. You can't see anything. No, they, yeah, there definitely is a window. <laughs> it's but, just, yeah. just a gray wall. Yeah. Fantastic. Anyway, um, well, while we're doing bad things, Matt, what do you got? Uh, so we have Ensign Captain. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was Kaplan, but he sure sounded like he was saying Ensign Captain. The very first thing in the episode is like, well, Ensign Captain, what do you think? <laughs> um, well, Commander Chakotay, what a strange way to address me. <laughs> we're lost. Oh, yeah. So we've got uh, we got Chuck and this random ensign who is literally there for no reason. Like they crash the ship and then she's taken by raiders or whatever. Pseudo Borg that we don't know are Borg yet. Malay really rebels. important. She's taken by them and then it's just gone. We never see her again. And Chuck just sort of assumes she's dead because the the good guys told him so. Like good work watching out for her, Chuck. You had one job. Yeah. <laughs> Well, he had a couple of jobs, but that is certainly way up there on his list of like, short list of jobs. And then my and then my notes say, "You idiot! You ugly, stupid idiot!" <laughs> well, my real bad thing, like, okay, yeah, flaming trash cans, haha. But really, my real bad thing is uh, Robert Beltran. Like, they give him some real solid emotional stuff to work with in this episode. Mm-hmm. These are the Borg. These are the scariest thing, in, at least in these guys' lifetimes, that the Federation has ever faced. And oh shit, they're here. Also, we might not be flying into their nest now. This might be the first of many horrible encounters with this unstoppable, like, thing that the Enterprise only outsmarted once and that's not going to work again. And what the fuck do we do? Mm. Spoiler alert, it is. Okay. But you know what I'm saying. Like, they're they're terrifying. Mm. And Beltran, between that and he's got some personal stuff with the chick on the planet. And, like, he's got some good emotional stuff going on that he just does not sell. The dude is not interested. No. At all. In any of this. No. Uh, whatever. Yes, I, no, I don't want to join your collective. Okay, I'll join your collective. There's a couple of times where he's <laughs> supposed to look horrified, and he just sort of crab walks back a couple of steps and opens his eyes slightly wider, and that's about it. Oh no, I'm scared, please stop. Is it a Portuguese crab walk? Yes. Wait, what? <laughs> clickety, oh, clickety, clickety. oh, I got you, yeah. <laughs> Listen Wait, to sarcastic that's a ways, different thing. gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, he just, like... That was my real main thing with this episode is like this was a solid good episode that could have been maybe even an excellent episode if mm-hmm. the main person we were following through all this 
was a better character played by a better actor. Yeah. Mm. I wish they'd just stop giving him things to do at this point, you know? <laughs> they, he, I wish they'd like, just stop. Just he can, stop. Like, you know, okay, you're, you know, you're contracted to do the show, so you're just gonna, you're gonna stay on the bridge, and you're just gonna do bridge stuff from now on. That's it. No one cares what you get up to in your spare time. You don't get to go on any missions or adventures or anything. You just stay on the bridge and do bridge stuff. I mean, that's effectively what he does now. I've mentioned this before on the show that I have this, like, Chakotay test, mm-hmm. which is imagine a scene where you give his lines to someone else and would it be any different? And 95% of the time, the answer is no. Yeah. Like, hmm. all he does is the standard, like, phasers locked, Captain, you know, hailing frequencies open, like the, the expository lines that keep things moving but aren't really character specific. He just repeats what the computer says. Uh, effectively, yes. Which is unfortunate. But yeah, he yeah. just, he, this is another episode in my, if I had to make a case for I don't think this guy's a good actor, this is a solid example of that. Which is oh, weird, because yeah. when he was on the planet with Janeway, they seemed to have some good chemistry, and he seemed pretty natural down there. Those two have good chemistry together, but yeah. they seem to try to give him scenes, like, with Ensign Captain. <laughs> they, like, they tried to give him that sort of flirty, like, oh, I guess we're lost, except it came off like he was mad. Yeah. Well, oh, I guess we're lost, but if you kind Way of to pay go, attention loser. to the... The, the wording of the dialogue feels like it's supposed to be playful and, and friendly and yeah. not mean, no. but he doesn't read it that way. So I, I'm glad you're going to die soon. Yeah. Maybe he killed her. Maybe yeah, he just maybe. shoved her into that flaming trash can. <laughs> we don't know. No one will know. They cut away from things, so we don't know what happens every... We're not with them every second. Who knows what happens? Anyway, but there were a lot of good things. Like, that, that was all our bad stuff, but we, got, we all got some, some praises to sing. So, uh, Bob, you go first. You, you don't literally have to sing. You can if you want. I love the whole concept of the good board. Mm-hmm. Um, that these people kind of got a taste of the board tech, and instead of completely tossing it once they escaped, they felt that some part of it could continue to help them, to enrich their community, their lives. Um, although, you know, that could be how the board started in the first place, and it all spiraled out of control. <laughs> so I'm, I'm kind of hoping these good board make another appearance later on so we can see. How it goes for him? They just show up as regular Borg and just go, Chicote. it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> this was a gateway collective. Has, it gets worse. Has there been anything in, in any of the non-canon stuff as far as like what the how the Borg originated? And... Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah it's stupid. You know it's what? incredibly stupid. There's oh, really? time travel involved. <laughs> it started on Earth. The first what? Borg were, were humans. What? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I believe, if I, and Matt, you may know more than I, mm. I believe that was all based on the fact that they're called Borg and they wanted to put the origins with English-speaking yeah, humans to Borg. justify calling them Borg. Borg. It's, it's someone from the Enter- from the show Enterprise who goes back in time and gets stuck on a deserted planet and yeah. infected with Borgery and yeah, it, it sucks. It's a fucking garbage monster. I haven't I haven't read the books that, that do this but I got I, I went down a rabbit hole on uh, memory beta which is the non-canon version like uh, uh, oh, right. alternative to memory alpha for all the novels and stuff mm-hmm. and I, I went down this rabbit hole it's like a huge huge like 30 page scrolling like uh, thing on the Borg's origins and it is a mess and it's like wow this <laughs> not only did this all happen in like 20 books yeah but it there's no satisfying conclusion to it once it all plays out mm-hmm. So that's right. unfortunate. On the um, other hand, those books also had the Borg, uh, a uh, a giant Borg sphere devour Pluto, which was pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Hmm. Pl- there's just no Pluto in Star Trek anymore. 
I like that actually. I like that a, pe- a recognizable piece of our solar system like got consumed. Yeah. That's uh, like that's to us. That's like wow. Okay, there's some stakes here. The part of our solar system's gone. I know what that means. Yep. <laughs> On the other hand, since it's a Peter David novel, someone does go. Well, that solved the problem whether whether it's a planet or not. Of course. Got it. Can't just wink at the camera. Got to grab the camera and look it right in the eye. And, <laughs> yeah. Ah, you know, you, you know ah, how he. Yeah, I know. But I do remember he did a book where uh, a Ferengi got uh, got assimilated, and mm. suddenly the Borg collective learned the uh, value of negotiating, and that was kind of cool. That's kind of cool. Huh. Yeah. That was uh, Vendetta. That was actually the first one, like the first official book after yeah. Best of Both that... Worlds where they let them play with the Borg a bit. Yeah. Oh, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah. That's yeah. a good book. It was, as I recall. I mean, it's been mm. a long time. Um, it's been a long time. Uh, oh, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'll, I'll agree with you, Bob. And and this is basically, my good thing too is last week we talked about Star Trek building on established stuff and taking it in new directions. We were talking. Oh yeah, last week we did uh, the the Balana catches Pon Far one, which I liked. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I'm taking that basic idea of the Borg and so let's try what we've done. Let's not contradict what we've established, but let's now take it in a different direction. Right. And they effectively made them Borg hippies. Because the collective turned into, like, the commune. <laughs> the commune. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, I like because it was a good fake out. At first I thought, oh, Melody Rebels. Oh, a commune. Oh, God. This is... Uh. And then they were Borg. It's like, oh, that's... All right. I'm, I get that. It's like... We, it, uh, we grow our own Borg vegetables and ride Borg bicycles. <laughs> I mean, look, if you can if you can create something that's half organic and half mechanical that's a person, I don't see why you can't do that for a vegetable, too. It's true. Just have like an eggplant, <laughs> like a another Borg eye based on it. <laughs> yeah. It's the laser. It's that con- it's that laser pointer that's always on. Yeah, I've, I've been cooking this for like six hours, and that laser still hasn't broken down. <laughs> <laughs> no, it cooks itself. That's what the laser's for. Oh, <laughs> obviously, I've been doing it wrong all this time. But it's it's similar to the idea that we had in iBorg with Hugh. Where it's like, what if they were cut off from the collective and became individuals? Mm-hmm. Only they were exploring it with these guys who had only just been assimilated recently enough that they still had their humanity or Romulanity or whatever. <laughs> so they they kind of went back to normal when they severed the connection, except they kind of liked what, like you said, Bob, they kind of liked the Borg stuff. And they said, let's, let's use this in our lives. Yeah. And I, I, it's a good, effective use of existing mythos to tell a new story. Mm-hmm. That's what I want out of Star Trek. Yep. Build on what you've done before and tell me something new. Yep. I like that. I, I thought it was a solid idea. Um, Matt, what about you? What was your good thing? I really like Chuck's giant seeping head wound. <laughs> His rash? Yes. He clearly had a rash. It's, uh, <laughs> you can actually see at some points in the episode, there's like massive stitches in his head hole. <laughs> Well, didn't they entice him into their collective to, to fix his wound? Yeah, they were like, yeah, join the collective. We'll, uh, we'll fix your giant wound. And then he comes out and he's still got the giant wound. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was an SNL character called Massive Head Wound Harry. <laughs> <laughs> don't you remember this, Bob? I don't, actually. <laughs> Played by Dana Carvey. <laughs> who had of course. A, who had a, uh, a massive like uh, latex just appendage on his head. And... That what it, it was a for, totally forgettable that era of SNL one note character sketch. Mm-hmm. sketch. So of course they did it eighteen times. No 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 no. no. <laughs> Here's what made it cool. The the bit part of the bit was the dog comes up and sniffs the head wound and licks it a little, mm-hmm. and and he says he smells my dog. Like ha ha ha. No, he's licking your your blood. That's gross. <laughs> but the dog that they got wouldn't stop. He's like starts <laughs> starts eating the latex. Oh, <laughs> Danny Carver's doing his best not to break. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, this dog's just chomping at this thing on the side of his head. <laughs> Which made it way, way funnier than just the standard dumb joke that it was. Uh, if only there were Borg dogs. There might be Borg dogs, why not? I don't know. I haven't seen Aww. any yet. I want to play with Borg dogs. <laughs> That's the thing is, like, I would like to see, not necessarily specifically that, but, like, in a modern Star Trek show, like the, the new Brian Fuller thing, like, mm -hmm. now that they have, like, CG's decent enough that they could maybe pull off something a little more elaborate than putting a hat on a dog, <laughs> uh -huh. like, maybe they could try stuff like that, and it wouldn't look like that vicious creature from The Enemy Within. <laughs> oh. Vicious creature. <laughs> dog has a horn. <laughs> Um, it's not a dog. No one said dog. Yeah. Uh. But, in, like, there's some really good stuff in this. I like, um, there's a bit where he he let, Chicote lets them in his mind, finally. Like, he mm -hmm. lets his guard down after they, they wear him down. Mm -hmm. And he's like, uh, okay, go ahead. And he hears one or two of their voices in his head. And then he hears, like, four or five of their voices. And it's just, like, doubles and doubles until it sounds like the Borg we're familiar with. Yeah. It's like, ooh, that was a pretty yeah. effective way to show, like, Really creepy, like one-on-one -on -one telepathy building to the entire collective, and like, wow, this is this is cool. But then they did this like cheesy montage of fades, which is clearly stock footage from other Star Trek episodes, on top of a few new things that they shot, and like showing like these are my memories mixed with the collective's memories, I guess. And also Papa Geppetto is there, <laughs> and also the, the yeah the the one girl that he was kind of involved with. Like her as a young girl, like, uh, and, and Grandpa. Her, yeah. Her pop hey, pop. <laughs> I'm going to take you to my orchard that we're going to look at some uh, trees. We're, we're going to make a wood in the boy. Although hey, like, I'm a from Texas. So. <laughs> <laughs> Everything else in the uh, montage seemed like it was like Borg attack stuff. So I'm kind of assuming it was like other Borg memories. There didn't seem any anything from uh, Chakotay's past, really. Yeah, that's true. There, there were, but you, there was, but it was so boring. Your brain just ignored it. Yeah, yeah what Matt interpreted that was was trees. He just said trees. Like, <laughs> you saw planks of wood, and oh, mm -hmm. let's let's go to an orchard. No, that wasn't an orchard. Chicote. That was Chicote's past. <laughs> yep, I could see, I could see the confusion. There. <laughs> so those are the trees from which the plank of wood was used. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Little wooden boy. <laughs> and you have to burn him to get out of the uh, the giant whale. You know, blowhole. I, I, hey, it's a tick Chicote, episode, okay? you and me are going to escape from this a giant whale. <laughs> um, it's a me, a Mario. Like, I didn't love the way they edited that together, and by Bob, you edit, like, for a living. I'm sure you could yeah. see just how, like, cheesy, and even for, at the, for the standards of mid-90s TV, just like... Yeah, it was... Just dissolving one... A series of slow dissolves. Yeah. yeah. It was not... Like, all it needed was a star wipe. <laughs> <laughs> it was I don't know. It served its purpose, I guess, but it could have it could have had more impact if it were done differently, mm. I think. And they they definitely had the techniques at that point to do something better. Is what I'm saying. Like I'm not trying to apply 2016, you know, uh, sensibilities to this thing from 1996. I feel like they could have done something with what they had. Sure. Sure. But maybe they just didn't have the budget for it on that episode. Just to, <laughs> they like, spent it all on flaming trash cans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and 15 feet of Borg corridor. 
or uh, or, or Chicote's Rash, which Matt was apparently really impressed with. Yeah. Very I mean, impressed. I've, I've cut for TV before. I know when you know you get that last second. Uh, <laughs> Look, we want this <laughs> whole sequence. We need this montage, and you have an hour to do it. <laughs> Go. <And> you, <laughs> like, we're not uh... shooting anything new for it, so just take <laughs> stuff from existing Star Trek, which we already own. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. yeah. What else? <laughs> what else do we got? I don't know. I, I in general, I like this. I like. Uh... Uh, we cut to the ship and Paris is staring out the window just like, there's nothing to do. <laughs> what and Chainway in the most mom line ever goes, you know, Mr. Parents, Mr. Parents, Mr. Parents, if you're bored, I can find something for you to do. If you got there's time to lawn. lean, you got time to clean. There's a lawn that needs mowing on the holodeck. <laughs> really? Oh, man. All right, I'll go direct to this episode, then. Fucking lawn mowing <laughs> simulator. Yep. Oh. Yeah, it was, it was. Also, he made a te- like. I think they were going for a little like like levity, but it was like uh, necrot expanse. You might as well call it the negative expanse. Like that, that's terrible. You know, yeah. That's well, you might pun. as well shut up. How about that? <laughs> yes, <laughs> might as well. Okay. Well, they say the word corpse a lot in this. episode. Yeah, they really do. They like do the we? word corpse. I so do I. I don't know. I hear the corpse. word corpse so often in my daily life. It's just I'm, I'm kind of immune to it. That, no, it's still funny to me every time. <laughs> just one of those things. Corpse, corpse, corpse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I got nothing more to add to that. Usually it's like, okay, escalate the joke. No, just corpse. No, corpse, 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 corpse. That's all it needs. Uh, anything else? That's pretty much all I got. The yeah. the only thing that uh, other thing that bothered me was the very last scene in Sick Bay felt like it was tacked on at the end, just like, oh wait, we have these massive plot holes. Let's uh, put in a scene at the end that explains them away. It just I don't know. That's felt, the typical formula, though. It felt mm-hmm. really weird this time, though. It yeah. felt like they had went back and reshot it two weeks later, and <laughs> everyone was in a different mental space. See, I like I like this one of those things you you mentioned that certain things bother me more than they bother you. It's oh. just the cumulative effect of seeing that week after week. It just wears on me. Like this time, it just got to you. I've been seeing it too. No, I know, but certain <laughs> things just get to you after a while. Like yeah. that, I've ignored. But yeah. what I'm saying is that part wore you down this time. Finally, you saw it 50 other times, and this time it just snapped. Like, now I oh. hate Voyager. <laughs> no, I hate Voyager because of Neelix. Oh, but right. there's lots of other reasons. <laughs> Matt, anything else? Uh, Bob, I like your note here. Does engage optical scanners mean look out the window? I thought the exact. <laughs> I thought the exact same thing. Oh, so look at it. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right, um, that's it. You got a quote for us. I do, and I've scrolled past it, so I'm trying to remember what it was. Oh, yes, it was uh, when uh, when the Borg chick was trying to sell Janeway on uh, restarting their uh, radio antenna. When we were linked, we had no ethnic conflict. There was no crime, no hunger, no health problems. We lived as one harmonious family. With all due respect, Dr. Fraser. You were one harmonious family bent on the violent assimilation of innocent cultures. That was good, and also, there's some there's some really good face acting from Mulgrew there. Yeah. Where she she gives her a look like, no, I understand what you're asking, but fuck no. <laughs> like, that's a pretty complicated thing to communicate in her face. Yeah. It's not that I don't get what you're saying, I get it, because I'm a scientist, but absolutely not. <laughs> and there was, uh, I think it was last week, the the first episode, which was... Kind of a train wreck, but uh, still, East Janeway got to do. Uh, oh yeah, that was, she was a time Mulgrew. ghost. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mulgrew got to do some really interesting uh, eyebrow acting in that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that was, I think I'm my really good thing last week was when she was sort of hanging out as an ineffectual ghost and watching things helplessly, she still managed to convey some good stuff. Yeah. I thought. Yeah. I really like her overall. I mean, yeah. in the series. Me too. Mulgrew was really impressed with me. She's my favorite character, honestly. Yeah. yeah. I, I thought it would be the Doctor, but it's her. All right. Moving forward to the most 90s title you will ever hear. Woo! The most 90s thing this show has ever brought us. Bearing in mind that they actually went back in time to the 90s. Extreme! It's very extreme. Darkling. Darkling Duck? No. Captain Janeway is hanging out with some filthy looking dude in a castle, so I'm pretty sure he's the Darkling of our title, and oh god, Braga and Minoski did this one. No, please! Actually, the castle business is largely a fake-out, as is Kess's potential love interest on this stupid planet, and the end of this episode ends up focusing largely on the Doctor. Hey, that's not so bad, I like that guy. For some reason, he who refuses to be named has taken upon himself to do that five people from history you'd like to have a dinner party with exercise. Well, instead of a dinner party, it's that stupid beach program everyone loves right now, and instead of enjoying their company, he's copying bits and pieces of their personality and incorporating them into his own. This makes him evil, because behind every great human is a kind of scary, dark impulse that's essential to the makeup of his complex personality. And if that sounds familiar, it's probably because you've already seen The Enemy Within, which was far superior to uh, in the original series and taught us this exact lesson. In fairness, Brandon Braga, by his own admission, isn't much of a Star Trek fan, so he possibly he couldn't possibly have known this. Anyway, yeah, that's the entire plot. The Doctor turns evil because he shoved a piece of Gandhi in his brain, and apparently Federation computers don't have an undo function. Feels a bit irresponsible to do such a short summary, though, so allow me to pad for time by reading you an excerpt from the Star Trek fanfic I wrote in the mid-90s. <clears throat> the recent arrival smiled and nodded toward Riker. After another impossibly long moment, the other man spoke. Your clothes, he said evenly. What is the year? The year? asked Riker slowly, finding it almost difficult to speak. Most things here, aside from simple observing, seem to require too much effort. The other spoke again. I'm here from the year 1991. My name is Special Agent Dale Cooper. Now, I'm 41 years old, and after a decade of flailing and excuses and a further decade of steady practice, I'm just now starting to write things I'm not completely ashamed to put my name on. I was certainly wasn't anywhere close to feeling that way at age 22 when I wrote that. And yet... I can say with confidence that my stupid TNG Twin Peaks crossover fanfic, read by maybe a dozen people on AOL in 1995, is better than this episode of Voyager, which was seen by millions of people. And no, you can't read the rest of it, because unlike Brandon Braga, I actually have shame. <laughs> well, so yeah. Not sure how to follow that up. <laughs> I've been looking for an excuse to crowbar that in for a while. Although now I am, although now I am kind of picturing our Bob crouching behind a bed. <laughs> well, the guy who played Bob in Twin Peaks is dead now, so they need a new Bob. So yeah, they do need a new Bob. Yeah. All right, yeah. Bob, okay. get on that. Let's let's right. head down to uh, Goodwill when we're done here and find you a filthy jean jacket <laughs> <laughs> and a gray wig and a gray. No, just just grow your hair out. It'll it'll go gray eventually. <laughs> Uh, let me see your bug eyes. Oh, sorry about the bug eyes thing. <laughs> now let me see your war face. <laughs> your wharf face? <laughs> I mean, that doesn't really translate to radio. No, it's the same as his poker face anyway. <laughs> That's why he loses all the time. <laughs> yes. I did not care for this episode, you guys. No. What? I thought it was garbage. Mm -hmm. It's understandable. It's pretty terrible. Do you guys seem to like an aspect of it that I... I liked one very specific part of it. I, you you both basically, so I don't know, Bob, you go first, but you're and then Matt, because you basically you're saying different aspects of the same thing. 
Well, I, I, it's it's obviously it's Jekyll and Hyde. Uh, so we've got the Doctor, uh, and and Matt is gonna take the performance, but I'm gonna take the look. The, since the the Doctor has kind of an evil version, he's got he's scruffy haired. He's uh, <laughs> yeah, the like, three hairs that he has on his head are fluffed up. <laughs> that's that's true. But it's, uh, you know, they, they did a subtle makeup on him. They, he looks a little bit more deep socketed in his eyeballs. And it's, you know, his eye bags and wrinkles are accented. And he holds himself a little differently, like jutting his lower jaw forward and almost like hunched over a little. And I, I just like the choices they made as far as that to like give yeah. the doctor kind of like a little bit of evil look to him. No, and the, he, he's like one bell tower away from being Quasimodo. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, he's a lot of hunching. Yep. a lot of hunching. Lot and, of... Wearing, and he's wearing the towel that Holt, that that, uh, that Homer that? wears when he reveals the secret to the flaming mo. <laughs> <laughs> what were we gonna say? Oh, oh, I said there were no laser whips, though. Oh, that's true. But uh, he did do that claw thing where one hand is a claw and drawn close into his chest. Yep. <laughs> and he's always leaning into the camera, and he's got a bit of a limp, and it's, it's the mm. whole thing. Anyway. Oh no. He was wonderful. Well, go, go ahead just, and say your your good thing, Matt. Just grabbing like just chunks of the scenery and just gnawing them down. <laughs> yeah. Just I, like he's got like scary white eye contact lenses in, and he's got a growly monster man voice, and just like oh, it was beautiful. I did not see the thing is if this show would just embrace its camp and do this every week, I would settle in and enjoy it. But mm. every tenth or fifteenth episode, they hit us with something like this. And it's just enough to unsettle me because it doesn't fit with the rest of the show. Uh, that doesn't really bother me. I, yeah. I enjoyed this in the same vein that I enjoyed Warlord Kess. Same problem. Yeah. Same problem. No, actually, now that you mentioned Bob, they're very similar. Yeah. They are very similar. In fact, they, they pair up uh, the, the Doctor and Kess, and they don't ever mention it, but it's clear they've been through something similar. Mm -hmm. In fact, that's my good thing. Is um, I guess if somebody had to talk him off the ledge, it should be Kess. Oh, yeah. And they did it. Decent yeah. enough job. Again, as much as I complain about Braga, and it's a lot, <laughs> because I hate him. Um, it's I. He he's got a pretty decent handle on the characters. Like his plotting, I don't like his concepts. Yeah. I don't like, but the characters, he's usually got a pretty good handle on. And Kess is the right one. Kess is the one you want because she's closest to him. Yeah, she's sympathetic. Amanda's been saying for a long time she's the most Star Trek character on the show. This this whole the good of humanity and look inside yourself because you have to find the good and, and humans are inherently good and all that kind of stuff. And she's the one that reminds you why being human is important when you're possessed or whatever the hell happened here. Mm -hmm. But she, you know, she was decent. It's still yeah. just like, it, it really did feel like the enemy within only they had never seen the enemy within. And also it wasn't ready to go completely over the top. Like the sixties were, it was always sort of holding back. So, yeah. you know, it just, it wasn't yeah. as, as good. Well, it's still Jekyll and Hyde. Both of those were. That's this. what I'm saying. It's the, it's <laughs> the was... same basic concept, just presented <laughs> yeah. in a slightly different way. But it's essentially, I need my dark side to live. The dark side came from these great people that I'm emulating. Yeah. Basically the same thing. Which is unfortunate. How come they haven't done a Portrait of Dorian Gray episode? <laughs> yeah, why do they keep Excellent copying question. the same Victorian uh, thing? <laughs> There's a bit of Frankenstein in this too, I would say. Mm -hmm. Or the modern oh, Prometheus. Oh, definitely. <laughs> This episode, this episode ends with uh, the doctor being cornered on the side of a mountain next to a cliff. <laughs> All the landing party was missing were some torches. Mm -hmm. Picardo could totally pull a fire burn. <laughs> <laughs>
But no, the whole idea of him stitching together this personality from bits and pieces of other personalities is a bit Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. That too. I hadn't thought of that. Well, it's not like uh, there's a lot of depth. <laughs> oh, and, and there's that scene where uh, Evil Doctor's experimenting on uh, on, holo on uh, the holodeck characters, which I really liked. I would have liked it. I read on Memory Alpha that what he was supposed to be doing was torturing them and doing horrible things. And instead you come in and, like, Gandhi's head is spinning around in a wacky video effect. Yeah. Like that that could have been gruesome. And yeah, no, they, 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 they could have done that better. But I like the, the idea I thought was very cool. Yeah. I like that Socrates was hollow inside. <laughs> like a chocolate bunny. Yep. <laughs> Somebody bit the head off and there's nothing inside. I just... Uh, just, uh, I, I seriously, I said this in my summary. Is there no undo function? Is there no backup before he dramatically changes his personality? Well, they probably don't have enough space for a backup. That was the whole thing in that episode earlier in the season, that he, he ran out of space. That's why he was breaking down. Yeah, right? but then they solved the problem somehow, so then he did have enough space. Okay. Well, maybe he doesn't have enough double <laughs> space. I just, I don't know. If your personality is software-based and you're going to make a big change, we all know, dealing with software, before you make a big change, you save it. That way you can revert to the save copy if you fuck it up. That's I just, we, we were talking about this during the episode. I believe the Doctor is arrogant enough to believe that he wouldn't need to do a backup. That's you know, true. Like, oh, this will this go is, fine. Yeah, it's going to go perfectly. I don't understand what the problem is. That's probably true. This is how the Doctor talks. Yeah, that's, yeah. Well, stop that. <laughs> Whenever, whenever someone tries to, to like logically explain like Brandon Braga story logic, I just the mental image in my head is a turtle on its back. Mm -hmm. You're not going to do it. I know you want to walk are you toward. Not helping? Yeah, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> Sorry, that wasn't in the seven versions of Blade Runner that I saw, but I, I, I understand what you're trying to reference. Uh, let's get into some bad things, Bob. What do you got? Woo. Um, I I had an issue with. Uh, I don't know. The way I wrote this down, I'm not sure if I wrote this right. Agree with the Bob who wrote this, like, yesterday? <laughs> well, so even even as recently as the previous episode with the Borg, they're dressing Kess in a certain way that has her, like, much more innocent and kind of childlike, and her makeup is very subtle, and suddenly in this episode she's wearing, like, velour catsuit and has so much blush on, and it's, you know... You know, maybe it's just the, the the you know standards of beauty that I've lived with forever, and but it just it feels like they're really pushing like oh She's we need to make now. her yeah feel like yeah much more mature and more sexual because she's now gonna have a relationship with this other guy and there's you know the scene where she comes back to the ship and she's like all pretty pretty obvious you know like post-sex glow kind of uh, at the very least she went and made emotion, out with which is like totally fine but it just felt really weird to for, for that switch to flip just suddenly there it didn't feel like a natural character growth thing it felt no, like the the producers are saying oh no we need to like if we now put more blush on now she's a woman yeah no i i totally get it. and the thing is you're probably right. Like, yeah, you are applying your cultural perspective on that. Yeah. But the white middle-aged male perspective is probably who was running this show. So you're probably right. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> they weren't just, sensitive to those things, I'm sure. I have no problem with her having character growth in that area. I, I welcome that. 
but it just it felt really weird for it to just be a, sw- a sudden switch flip. But we've talked about this. The, the show episode. has has skirted that line before, where suddenly they want to treat Kess like an adult for now, but then they back and like, no, yeah. she's a child. No, she and Neelix may have a baby, except she's still the baby. Except wait, no, right? Like, they've done that a bunch, and it's, they can't really make up their minds what her deal is, <laughs> and I don't like it. I think like they've officially with this episode they're officially like no she's a woman now she specifically says it to uh, Janeway at one point. Right. Well, they, I'm three years old. I can have my own relationships now or whatever. Well, their their life expectancy is, is I think nine, so that right. that tracks. Which, by the way, the fact that uh, Kess is now officially a woman and uh, and Neelix has dumped her is did not go unnoticed by me. Yeah, that is pretty <laughs> oogie. But the but, idea that she I, I which know. I which in itself I find a little weird is like. She's she makes a point. I'm three years old now, but we're like almost all the way through the third season. Does that mean she was six months old when she? They we well, her? first of all, time hasn't been passing quite as like one for one. Oh, okay. Because they, yeah, they she... throughout season three, they've said we've been here for two years. Oh, okay. but we also saw her third birthday not too long ago. Oh, did we? Yeah, I yeah. wasn't paying attention. I guess. Yeah, it's not worth it. <laughs> it's a, you're, you, no one's going to fault you for not retaining that knowledge. <laughs> yeah. No, I just remember there was a birthday party because that was kind of the last time we had this conversation. Is she a grown up? And I did the math of like, okay, so if this is when puberty hits, is that roughly com- comparable to when humans have puberty? Is uh-huh. she an adult or not? Gotcha. And like, that's the only reason it kind of sticks in my head because I tried to figure this out once and it doesn't work. Yeah. Plus, we're assuming like. We're basically assuming that Okampa have, like, dog years. Yeah, basically. Okay, so if they live nine years, and we maybe could live 90, then one of our years equals, or ten of their, you know, one of our years equals ten of theirs, or vice versa. Like, no, it doesn't really work. So she's almost 30. So she's 30. 30. Now (laughs) Now she's a woman. No, that doesn't work. (laughs) But, I don't know, they they did finally commit to she and Neelix broke up. Like, they said they broke up when she was possessed. But... I've read some quotes in Memory Alpha where they're like, yeah, but that was when she was possessed. But then we decided they really were broken up, but then there are no actual scenes that say that. Right. So as the audience, we just assume that's when it happened, but I guess it didn't. It doesn't matter. It's happened no, they, just, they just stayed broke up. <laughs> it's I... like Evil Warlord Kess said, we are broken up. And the regular Kess said, hey, that's a good idea. Yeah, she said, I've never had <laughs> the balls to do that. And that was the one good thing to come out of that Warlord bullshit. Was she <laughs> finally Evil Warlord. Yeah. I mean, I killed some Thor people, Lord. but uh, <laughs> Thor Lord is a whole other thing. <laughs> Matt, what was your bad thing? Um, so there's a whole scene in this where uh, Bellana is basically flat out tortured by the Doctor. Um, like he paralyzes her from the leg, from like the waist down, and then he paralyzes her again, and then he o- he he's got it so like she can only talk to him, and like she can barely move. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like that actually. I thought that was creepy. Oh no, that scene's great. My problem is that there's a scene at the end of the episode where Bolana and the Doctor talk, and the Doctor's back to normal. Bolana doesn't give a shit. Well, this is this is something we've pointed out from the earliest of yeah. the original series on is when traumatic things happen between two main characters, and then everything just goes back to normal at the end. Like I, it's Star Trek, so I'm fine with you know after this their relationship being back to normal. But this should end with her being really pissed off at him. Well, I mean, the captain was really pissed off at Neelix two weeks ago, and everything's fine now. Like, mm-hmm. that's how things work. Big reset button every week. Uh, look, all I'm asking is to get through the episode. Is someone <laughs> being all like, Doctor, you fucking paralyzed and tortured me. All, all I want is a little consistency. Oh, Matt. <laughs> you know better by now. 
I don't understand. You were tortured by my evil, by the evil version of me, not me. Why are you mad at me? I had, I had different makeup and hair, sort of. I was a monster man. <laughs> Can't you tell? I was going raw. <laughs> I can't do and it then, now, but sure, I, I assure you, it was scary. He was. And he does, he does, And the other thing is, he doesn't even apologize. No. Like, there's a moment where there's, so, like, I'm just like, okay, and here comes the apology for, you know, drastically changing your programming and turning into a monster man. No, never mind. He doesn't, he doesn't know. Like, when he comes back to the, when he comes back mm -hmm. to the ship, uh, he's like, suddenly he's all fine again when they transport him back. Mm -hmm. and and just, why am like, I wearing this ridiculous pirate costume? Right, he doesn't remember anything. Yeah, they basically did what I said, which was revert back to an old version. <laughs> they just found the undo button or the Is previous save. I don't know. Oh, but that's what the transporters but, for. Right? But story-wise, that's the that's the purpose it served because he has no memory of anything that happened past that point. They restored him to a previous version, basically. Hmm. Even if that's not what they said, that's basically what it means to us. Right. Like he's the doctor from before this episode started. So he didn't know that he did anything wrong. I guess. Yeah. I, I, that's one way to look at it, or you could look at it kind of like uh, Matt was saying earlier with the arrogance. Yeah. I have nothing to apologize for. It went wrong, but everything's fine now. Mm. I have it under control. <laughs> I don't know. My bad thing. Getting back to cast and all that. We mm. had this whole thread at the beginning, and I thought this was going to be what the episode was about, with these people on the planet. And I'm glad it wasn't. Not that I liked it, but, like, more stupid politics with the planet I don't care about. I'm glad we didn't get into that. But the gist of it is Kess got involved with this dude, mm -hmm. and... Like, now we're officially in she and Neelix are broken up territory, which is good. She's moving on with her life. That's good. They did establish half-heartedly and, and confusingly, but they did establish she's a grown-ass woman and she can do this. Mm -hmm. So that's good. So everything's good. Like, okay. She so goes on a date, maybe sleeps with the guy, maybe just makes out with him. But they have something. Something clearly happens. Sure. Then she comes back to the ship. She's immediately shamed by Tuvok. Oh, yeah. Who's like... You have a meeting in like an hour. You gotta like. You still gotta go to bed. Like, what? Why are you coming back late? That's not cool. And then, then she <laughs> passes him, goes to sick bay, and the doctor shames her. Well, well, well. If it is the horror of Babylon Five, yeah, it's like, the horror <laughs> of Babylon Five. <laughs> <laughs> but like, just one right after the other. Just like she didn't do anything wrong. She maybe stayed out a little late. Yeah. but that's it. Like, but they didn't. They didn't. Well, I'm sorry, okay. she's three. Does Tuvok she still have a, a curfew? Tuvok didn't shame her for whatever she was doing. It was just the fact that... Well, you've he, been out late knew. and you got to be up in the morning. Yeah. Right. But Which, the doctor did yeah. shame her for, like, like you've been acting, you know... If the, really if the Tuvok scene had just led to something else, that would have been fine. But one right on top of the other, it's just like they're both making her feel bad about being out for different reasons. Yeah. And it, that's not great. On the ship full of former criminals and Starfleet guys who have probably each stolen a shuttle for some stupid reason at some point in their careers, <laughs> you're really going to yell at the young girl who stayed out past curfew with a boy who isn't Neelix for the first time in her tragically brief life? <laughs> like, come on, we should be encouraging this. Yeah. Hey, she's meeting boys. Good for her. See, and that that's why I feel bad about that complaining ties into about... what you're saying, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't want to restrict that. I don't want to be, like the person who's trying to shame her for having sexuality or whatever. Yeah. It just felt unmotivated. <laughs> Suddenly sprung on us after she's been a yeah. child all this time. No, yeah. now she's a woman. Yeah. There was no intermediate step. <laughs> now she's just a woman and uh, deal with it. <laughs> I mean, you know, you live for seven years, like, uh, yeah, might be time to get your shit together. Which is fine, but yeah. maybe they do an episode where she goes through puberty. I mean, they already did an episode where she may have a baby, mm -hmm. which is effectively their sort of right. puberty going in heat, whatever you want to call it. Thing. Right. So that's, after that point, she should have been 
biologically a woman or whatever. Yeah. I mean, but I don't know. I, I, it's all very it's a, uncomfortable to think about. Yeah. Yep. But I'm glad she got her date. I, me too. And if she got laid, I'm glad about that too. Like, <laughs> I, I hope someone, probably the captain, had the talk with her about, you know, safe sex and like, don't get pregnant, don't catch diseases. Yeah. The doctor's just like, this is a, this is a condom. Make sure to use one. Yeah. Computer, holographic cucumber. Now let me show you. <laughs> because you were I saying, it. like the which, which she went to the talk to the captain afterwards. Like the captain was the only person who didn't shame yeah, her. Yeah, which I've always liked that relationship. Yeah. I've, I like the relationship between the captain and basically, well, I mean her and Bolana. I was going to say any of the women, but basically those two. Yeah, she in different ways. It's a similar relationship in that she's sort of their mentor. Mm-hmm. Like they're not exactly the same, but they're still definitely sort of a, a protege. Like, like she's kind of their mom, but she's also their friend. Like it's 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 never that Picard, I'm disappointed in you thing, and it's never quite that <laughs> Cisco put his arm around you, we're friends thing. Right. It's somewhere else, but it's still a really cool like. You can come talk to me about any problem, and I want to help you because I see a lot of myself in you. Yeah, from when door I was is always open. Yeah. But I, I believe it. It's not that bullshit fake manager thing to say. It's a real, like, I believe her door is always open. Probably because Neelix broke it. <laughs> this is a bunch of hair caught in it or something. Caught in the gears. <laughs> just, I hate him so much. He wasn't yeah. even in these, and I still hate him. Just, <laughs> ah. <laughs> what else? What else? Well, he was in the very beginning of this one. He was, like, talking to Gandhi Chasing someone down the hallway and asking if he could do their job. <laughs> hey, can I be Gandhi now? Yeah. <laughs> Wait for me, Neelix. I'm into sexual repression. Uh, no, you're not. <laughs> we wish you were. Oh, uh, what else? I got nothing. I three notes. I'm confused as to why the doctor recited the Hippocratic Oath at the end. Yeah, that was weird. I don't know why that happened. I, I was kind of hoping as he would, because he deliberately, like, they were telegraphing that so hard. Like, I want to do harm. <laughs> like, but... You, you were programmed, like, really, you know how RoboCop's got, like, the three main directives that overpower everything? Uh-huh. His one main directive that overpowers everything should be the Hippocratic Oath, and so he shouldn't be able to harm anything, mm-hmm. is what I thought. And I thought there would be some cool conflict with him wanting to harm and then fighting his programming, but they didn't, they didn't do that. Yeah. Eh. I just didn't like it. Yeah. Didn't care for it. I did. I, I compared his voice to Armus earlier, but the voice he's doing is even worse than the voice we do for Armus. I'm Eva. Hey, Cass. In fact, my quote. Let's is, jump off this cliff. Want to jump off a cliff with me, guys? Hey, buddy. My quote is actually one of the more ridiculous lines he has uh, in the transporter room. Where are we going? Wherever the winds of space carry us. Wherever the winds of space take the us. The winds mm-hmm. of space. You know, you feel the winds of space blowing in your no hair. <laughs> That's why it's all fluffy. It's all, now you're turning a minute. Are you going through my file? It's all fluffy. Going through my files, you little weasel. Oh, no, no, it's Reenactment of our favorite scene from JFK. <laughs> well, one of our favorite scenes from JFK. So many. We got the right ta-ta, but the wrong ho-ho. <laughs> Matt's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Back and do the lift. Oh, oh, sorry. In that in that montage of people judging Kess, there were three. The third was, wordlessly, the transporter operator. Oh. Shoots her the dirtiest look. Like, what have you been up to? Really? I didn't oh, yeah. think that was uh, judgment. It was like, oh, I'm kind of jealous. 
She wasn't. She didn't seem happy about it. No, it's like if she was jealous, she was angry sex. jealous. Like, oh, you get to have sex and I don't. Where's my sex? Yeah, Hesh wants sex. No sex for transporter room Charlie. No, it's a chick. Girl Charlie. Girl, Girl Charlie. Charlie. I suppose, but not on Star Trek. <laughs> All I, right. I want to be Charlie Sex. <laughs> not Charlie X. All right. Anything else, you two? No. You, you fellows? You band of Voyager watchers? Still no. no. <laughs> Bob, would you like to put a plug in? Uh, sure. Uh, I also have a podcast, which is called The Optical, where we uh, talk about uh, VFX and film technology and talk about talk to uh, interview some of the people who worked on the VFX and stuff like that so and uh, the last episode we did too was uh, about uh, IMAX uh, interviewed IMAX projectionist over at uh, Pacific Science Center so that very was cool fun yeah how do folks get to that uh, you can get to it at opticalpodcast.com excellent uh, next week episode 266 will be recorded here I'm actually at the pocket Woo! theater sort of in the little quiet area we, we record at sometimes mm. here but next week we will be in front of an audience, in front of uh, quite a few of our uh, regular listeners, regular contributors. Hopefully, I'll be here. Yeah, Bob will be here. Uh, Flonk and Brian will be here. Amanda will be here. Tidro will be here. Like A lot of people you've heard on the show. Uh, if you're in town for the Emerald City Comic Con, it is that weekend. It's not after the con, but it's late enough in the day that you could do a full day at the con and still make it out here in time. Like It's not going to conflict with the con. We don't start till 530. Mm -hmm. So you could do, like I say, a whole day of, of conning. And, uh, and still make it out here to, to check us out. And you should do that. It's at the Pocket Theater. Uh, details are at postatomichorror.com, and uh, we'd love to see you. Uh, the Memory Alpha article on Darkling said uh, that the um, sort of uh, accepted uh, logic among uh, fans is that there is a three-episode stretch of the worst episodes the show ever made, starting with Darkling. Continuing oh. to the next two. Oh no! So oh, our I... live show may be us a little angrier than usual. Maybe I won't be here. <laughs> oh no! We need you to run the board. You need to be oh, here, please. <laughs> also, we need you for our annual picture of us in our uniforms. Oh. So check oh, that I out. Need a new uniform. Huh? Well, that's fine. <laughs> um, and uh, the next day, uh, next Saturday, uh, the nine. Is that right? Today's the second. A week from today, that is the ninth. Yes. yes. <laughs> Uh, at uh, five fifteen at the um, at the Emerald City Comic Con, at the uh, uh, Washington Convention Center, we are doing a panel. All three of us will be in it, as well Woo! as uh, three other local voice actors we know, uh, lovely talented ladies. Uh, it is called Sarcastic Voyage, uh, sketch comedy for nerds. And if you have tickets to the con, it's free. They put us in a giant room that uh, hopefully we can fill up. And how many people does it hold now? Four hundred. Oh my God. Last yeah, year, we're all doomed. <laughs> last year they gave us a room that held 250, and we overpacked it. And so this year they said, oh, so uh, that was pretty good. Let's see if you can do this. There's only one bigger room there that holds 600. So wow. if we if we do it this year, that might be our next year. <laughs> yeah. But that's it. Like, this is the second biggest room they have for, for uh, panels. So I assume they reserve those rooms for actual famous people. <laughs> <laughs> Surely not us. Yeah, we'll see. Anyway, so, if, yeah, if you're at the Emerald City Comic Con uh, Saturday, April 9th, uh, it is not related to this show, but it is still comedy with people whose voices you're familiar with. And uh, mm. Come see be, us! Come see us. And that's all for now. See ya, folks.
The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2016. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this. <laughs>